Hello again, everyone. It's me, Jerry T. T for toast, as in dry toast. Shaken, not stirred. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, been a few weeks since I published, so I am back at her again. And to everyone's eternal dismay, <laughs> I have more on climate. <laughs> it's uh, it's not really a climate change episode. Today's episode will be relatively short. Basically, I had I had ordered the the newer book, uh, the New Climate War by Dr. Michael Mann, and I wanted to include his his whatever he did in the book into the series, but it it just didn't come in time. There was a, a waiting list to get the book. And so I, I couldn't include it in the series. So I thought I'd do a book review of the book and uh, let everyone know what it what it had in the book. So that's what we're doing today. Before we get into today's book, I just want to remind everyone, if you enjoy what we do, if you, if you like my most amazing podcast, especially my, my lovely introduction there, Shaken, <laughs> Not Stirred, uh, please remember to support us like, share, uh, support the podcast. There's a little button where you can click to subscribe. There's another button where you can click to support the podcast. You can buy me a cup of coffee. Heck, you can buy me a pot of coffee. You can even buy me a coffee tree in there somewhere. So uh, yeah, please like, share, support the podcast. All right, let's get into today's episode, The New Climate War by Dr. Michael Mann. Let me start my overall synopsis. And my, my overall synopsis is I was really disappointed. I, I was really, really disappointed. <laughs> he never really got into any climate science whatsoever. Now, I'll talk about it in a minute. He did get into some brief descriptions of a few things, but nowhere, you know, I, I was hoping there was going to be this argument. Okay, look at this data, and this data clearly refutes what so-and-so said, and it shows this, and this data is tied to this. And, you know, we compared this data set and we analyzed, and, but there was none of that in the entire book. For, for Dr. Mann, it, it seems to me from reading the book, the climate issue is simply a clear battle of good versus evil. And, you know, like so many topics these days, we get into this amazing, everything comes down to this left versus right. And sure enough, Dr. Mann makes it very clear he's on the left. And, and he he attacks the quote-unquote right endlessly in the book. And, and it struck me there's a phenomenon that if you follow this crazy left-right stuff, there's a phenomenon that's becoming more and more apparent. I think it goes without saying that, I think it's pretty much, uh, the evidence is beyond, uh, is irrefutable, I guess, that there are radical left-wing activists pushing a radical left-wing agenda in many areas these days. And one of the things they're doing when they get called out on certain things that they do, the very next week, you see one of them come out calling somebody on the right or the far right or whoever's against them, calling them out for doing the exact same thing, uh, projection. They're projecting the things that they're they're being caught doing or, or shown to be doing the tactics they use. They the very next week they're they got articles coming out about how the far right or the alt right or whoever is 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 doing this and doing that. And there just seemed to it just seemed to be a book full of that. So I, w- I was really disappointed in that regard. I was really looking for more science. 
And you know, I, I'm sure he takes a lot of flack. I mean, he's the, he's basically the lead figure in the in the climate alarmist camp. And when you're the leader, you know, you take a lot of flack. You get a lot. It's the old saying, right? Everyone's right behind you. And when you turn around and start running, they're right in front of you. So, you know, I get it. I'm sure he takes a lot of flack. Some of it deserved, some of it not deserved. But, I mean, you got to let that stuff go. You, you, you can't just let that stuff eat at you. So, Dr. Mann, if you're listening, I empathize. I, I don't agree with your position entirely, but I, I understand. All right. Anyway, so that said, now let me get into the good because I didn't find a lot of it. But what I did like in the book is in the middle, he he did get into some of the different uh, things that are being done to fight climate change. You know, here's all the different things that are being investigated. And he, he kind of went into a lot of them, some of the things that are more promising, some of the things that are less promising. And so that was a nice refreshing break towards somewhere in the middle of the book about uh, the, all the different uh, technologies and techniques and things that are being employed to, to, to see what'll work, what won't work, what is working, what isn't working. And, and at one spot in the book, he mentioned something I haven't heard in, in any of the studying I've done over the last several months, well, almost a year now, into the climate, uh, climate change uh, scenario, battle, whatever. I He mentioned that, that in the history of the earth, he mentioned a couple of mass extinctions due to, to temperature increases, high, high temperature increases. And I hadn't heard that appear in the last year at all in anybody's work. So I found that interesting. I don't know if it actually was related to to great temperature increases. I'm sure I'm sure the basics are there, and I'm sure it probably was. But nonetheless, something to look into these two mass extinction events that took place in the history of the earth due to uh, significant warming. Which brings up a couple questions. First of all, don't worry, we're not going to die. And, you know, even if even if the globe warmed up far more than what we thought, human beings are the one species on earth that can actually make sense of our surroundings and actually we have creativity and the ability to think and reason and logically find our way through scenarios whereas other creatures just exist in their world. And so I don't think there's going to be any mass extinction. He doesn't, and Dr. Mann says the same thing. There's very little evidence for that. But nonetheless, it was pretty interesting. And I, I think we've all heard, you know, all of us have in our memory banks back there somewhere, yeah, I've heard of mass extinctions before on the planet. And so I'm going to have to look into those interesting and see what all the facts are behind them. So those were the good parts of the book, but really the rest of the book was was just kind of going, he, he kind of attacked everybody who disagrees with him. It, he's, it, it's kind of like everybody who agreed with him is right. He is right about everything. He's 100% right about everything. Anyone who disagrees is 100% wrong. It's kind of, and that's the book, folks. <laughs> See you. And, and anybody who agrees with him is good and pure, and anyone who disagrees with him in the slightest has got evil intentions or evil motivations. And he really never once gave any credit to any argument or any person who disagreed with him in the slightest. Anybody who agreed with him, like he mentioned a, a gentleman, Grover Nordquist, 
and uh, Dr. Mann found him informed and thoughtful. Well, that settles the matter. And you see a lot of that. Anybody who agrees with him, there kind of reminds me of Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. It was the same thing. He never really presented any arguments in the entire book. He was just quoting people, quoting the esteemed and well-respected and loved around the world and in five universes who agrees with me and this silly foolish man who nobody takes seriously who disagrees with me said this it was kind of like that basically anybody who disagreed with him they were attack dogs they were front men they represented dark money he called them inactivists he went over and over again everybody's an inactivist and they spread disinformation propaganda they were they were false prophets they had I'm, these are all the these are all out of the book uh, there was hollow rhetoric. They were shills. Uh, and then they talked about the fossil fuel hegemony. And of course, the standard endless reference to deniers. Deniers to the left of me, deniers to the right. They were just everybody against him is a denier. And everyone who disagrees with him anyway, in even a little bit as a denier, while everybody that agrees with him is a renowned climate scientist. And if you listen to my, my previous episodes I did on climate change, you know that there's no deniers. Not serious. Anybody who is the slightest bit serious studying climate change, any of the scientists who agree or disagree with them, there are no deniers. It's a silly ad hominem argument, and it bears no weight, and it's very disappointing to see scientists using a denier argument that really really doesn't bear well upon them. The many doctors, the many the many scientists that disagree with him, simply disagree with him or disagree with his side, the more alarmist side. The less alarmist side uh, simply disagrees as to the level of, of warming and not so much level of warming. No one disagrees really with that. Rather, they disagree whether or not it's an emergency and how serious of action is needed and what kind of action is needed versus what isn't needed. He calls them deniers, deflectors, diverters, doomers, etc., etc., etc. He pulls out a silly straw man argument that his opponents say, well, there's nothing we can do about it anyway, so we might as well just keep the oil flowing that's silly. Nobody serious would say any kind of a silly argument like that. Anybody who says something like that is not even seriously part of the debate. None of the scientists that I that I researched said anything silly like that. And he throws out a few. There's there's several straw man arguments in the work in the book. This from a, a doctorate, a, a, a scientist with a doctorate degree. He actually he actually goes back to the 70s and the 80s and starts invoking the cigarette wars and gun control. And he even invokes the name of George Floyd in his wandering arguments. He, he, quotes, he quotes statistics from completely irrelevant discussions of the past when they support his argument, and he denigrates the statistics when they don't support his argument, i.e., guns don't kill people, people kill people argument. Well, you know what? That's a debatable argument. I've never seen a gun get itself up and shoot somebody. You know, that's, that's anyways, he, he just pulls out these straw men when they're appropriate. When it comes to, to gun crime, there's a very solid 
argument with lots of evidence that mental illness is a major contributing factor. And he just completely poo-poos it, completely. So now he's a psychologist and a gun violence expert as well. And this, this after he states that those that aren't climate scientists should keep their nose out of climate science. Well, now he's a psychologist and a gun violence expert, I guess, as well. And, and through many parts of the book, he accuses the usual suspects, those evil Republicans <laughs> and the right wing in general, look, whatever that is, using false equivalence arguments. He even gets into the, the claims of Russian interference in U.S. elections. So he goes down all these alleys that have nothing to do with climate, trying to prove how he, he, he tries to tie, you know, the right, the Republicans, and anybody who's against him, he tries to tie them to evil in many different ways. And I, I just really found it a real rambling kind of book in this regard. But, but leftist climate activists... They don't shame anyone or anything like that. They don't accuse. Um, they, they act on their personal beliefs. He speaks of, of how his opponents drive wedges between the pure and the good climate activists. And then a little later on, he talks about an opportunity to drive a wedge between his detractors. But that, of course, is a natural opportunity, one they must take advantage of out of their love and concern and purity because leftist climate activists they don't shame anyone. They act on their personal beliefs. Uh, when people who agree with him or the climate left in general engage in the activities he's accusing his detractors of, and he actually says this in the book, they are innocent victims or their intentions were pure. Throughout the book, he, he, he brings Greta Thunberg up to the status of some goddess and everything she said must be pure and good and correct throughout the entire book. And, and, so so at one spot later on in the book, he actually talks about how uh, Greta Thunberg is a heroine. And, and then shortly afterwards, how the opponents of climate change should be ashamed of themselves for using another teenager on their side against uh, the climate emergency. He then goes on to talk about another heroic teenager who's fighting for climate change. But I'll, I'll come back to this in a minute. I just wanted to, to go through the Greta Thunberg stuff. One of the chapters, and, and you can't make this stuff up, but one of the chapters is all about crocodile tears. He actually talks about the other side, how they use crocodile tears. Uh, you know, you can't make this stuff up. This is a chapter in the book. And he eventually comes around to the charges of them being fascists and nihilists. He gets into the racism and gender politics and he denigrates some of the works because they were by middle-aged white men. Wow. And yes, he even accuses those who disagree with him of mansplaining. Uh, Michael Moore, who used to be a darling of the left, is now a has-been trying to regain his relevance because he made films that didn't agree with Dr. Mann's position. Now, I, I guess a bit comical. He didn't know of the upcoming... Uh, deepness and, and length and, and horror of the Ukraine-Russia war, but he was he praised Germany's power grid and how their solar power system is so perfect. Well, as we know now, it's, uh, it had some weak, has the weak spots in it, and now they're turning to coal. Later on in the book, he, he really gets into the moralizing and how everyone against him is less moral than he is. 
and he categorizes categorizes everyone into an ever-increasing number of labels, including doomists and soft doomists. These these labels just keep increasing to label everybody who's against them uh, or who disagrees with them. Much of the book is going after people personally, naming names of all those who are evil and bad, but those that agree with him are good and pure and experts. He chastises those that promote panic, and I guess there's, there's so you should, even though he's kind of getting close himself to there. But uh, he chastises those that promote panic. But of course he had to deal with the fact that Greta Thunberg told people to panic, but he explained why that was reasonable. He speaks a few times of the unprecedented bushfires we are experiencing, and then later on says no credible climate scientist whatever would claim warming over a five-year period because of the noise, the, you know, the, the different factors that can affect climate in the short term. So he, he, he basically says no self-respecting climate scientist would, would make a, no credible climate scientist would, would claim warming over a five-year period. It's just too short a period. But then he speaks of the unprecedented bushfires over the last few years and how this is climate warming when clearly we know that it's not climate warming. Climate warming, the IPCC, the NOAA data, and just the three factors that you need for fire, uh, oxygen, fuel, and an ignition source really have little to do with the the minor climate warming we've seen in the past century. He complains about how people misquote him, and I'm sure some people do misquote him. Some of the stuff in this climate battle sometimes gets silly, but he complains about how people misquote him, and then he goes and he purposely misquotes Bjorn Lomberg in his book False Alarm about how Lomborg just dismisses all these millions of people that'll be uh, displaced by flooding as well. It's only this many people, which it's a complete misquoting of Lomborg. And if you get the book False Alarm, you can check in the roughly pages 30, 31, 32, 33, and then around 63 to 66, he gets into detail about flooding, talks about flooding, and he's, he's very serious and very concerned about human beings. Several times throughout the book, he accuses those nasty far-right activists of being ideologues <laughs> and enforcing ideological purity when, again, projection, we see a lot of that coming from the left is where we really see it coming from. And at one point, he actually invokes the name of a young Puerto Rican lady who died during a hurricane, and, you know, pulling the sympathy card out, and then he blames it on President Trump personally, immediately after he just finished making all these arguments that are known now to be wrong about the pandemic. He gets into the pandemic, makes all these arguments that we, we now know were not correct, as if that has anything to do with the climate war. Uh, you know, ignoring all the people who died from missing, uh, couldn't go in for operations that they needed, depression, suicide after the extended lockdowns, as if these never happened. And, and at one point toward the end of the book, he actually invokes an argument called Gaia, which is an ancient Greek philosophy that the earth interacts with us like it's a, like it's a living organism and that the pandemic might be its way of fighting back against us because we're the virus. Now, hold on for a second. If some, if some religious person said that the pandemic was God's way of getting back at us, him and a thousand others would be jumping all over them. And here he, he, it's okay because it's some old Greek philosophy 
that the earth is like a living organism and then we're the we're the parasite. And then I wanted to come back to Greta Thunberg again because this is, he speaks of her being a hero and how the opponents of climate change should be ashamed of themselves for using some other teenager against, uh, against climate. He goes on to talk about another heroic teenager who's fighting for climate changes, for climate change. So the teenagers on his side are incredibly smart and they're all heroes. And the other side, they're just being used by adults because those on the climate change side would never use young people. He glorifies the action of youth movements and demonizes anyone who opposes these youth because these youth are going to save the world in their infinite wisdom and knowledge that just just happens to agree with his point. Oh, but the left or the alarmist side is not using those kids. No, because remember, they're pure and good. They wouldn't do that. Well, you know, I, I remember being young and, and, you know, we all admire... We all admire the the purity and the goodness of youth and the wanting to save the world. And, you know, you do have to admire that. We, as we get older, we lose some of that, and it's too bad. The world has a way of beating you down. You know, look at the youth and, and look at the goodness of them. But, you know, they have the goodness, and they want to save the world, and that is remarkable, and that's a wonderful thing, and it always will be. But they don't have the climate knowledge it's good that you want to save the world, but you've got to understand the situation in detail. And then he, he finishes off with some amazing arguments, justifying the use of the term denier and calling it accepted and accurate. He gives the usual lip service to, you know, the I, you know, the I support free speech but arguments when he says, I support skepticism as scientists were taught to be skeptic, but... Anyone agrees who disagrees with me is a denier. So, you know, so there's there's room for healthy skepticism? Well, no. He calls, even healthy skepticism, he calls them the confused middle, and we need to educate them in their errors. So that wraps up my review of the book. I, As you can tell, I was really disappointed. I was really looking forward to, to some of the more detailed science arguments and I just haven't seen that on the alarmist side. The whole alarmist side is wrapped up in this. Carbon dioxide is increasing dramatically. And it, and it is. And it is. And But they point over the last 10,000 years, and now to you and I, that seems like, oh my gosh, clim- uh, carbon dioxide is rising like never before in the last 10,000 years. You've been through the last few episodes. You know that's a blip. That's a that's a speed bump in the history of the world and a speed bump in the history of climate. Now, CO two is is going up rapidly, and in all likelihood, we are a major contributor to it. And I've been through this in the last few episodes, so I won't belabor the point. There's a lot more to it than that. We all need to be serious. We, to, you know, you got to be on the safe side. You got. We don't know for sure what's going to happen. We have some predictive models, but we got to be on the safe side. You got to play it safe and be responsible and do our part. Uh, anyways, I'll leave it at that. I, it's, I, I beat this to death in the other three episodes. Coming up, my next series coming up, I'm going to do an in-depth look at how to, how to understand, how to read and understand the Bible. You know, we look at the Bible and we say, oh, look, Jesus said this, or, oh, look, God said that, or the Bible says this, and therefore that settles the matter. Well, it's a lot more complicated than that. We'll start with the New Testament, but we'll we'll look at 
the many factors that go into what you're reading. We'll look at the life and the times of the authors. We'll look at what words meant. We'll look at what their society was like. Uh, there's there's many different things that go into, into in, so interpreting the Bible. We'll start with the New Testament, and we'll go into all these things to help you understand better what they were really talking about, who they were talking to, and why, and what they were talking about, and what they really meant. So there you go. That's uh, the next series coming up. Okay, so that's it, folks. Uh, you've been listening to The Fact of the Matter. Bye for now. Bye for now.